Hey everybody, this is Senior Pastor Joshua B. Carson saying thank you for tuning into the CT Podcast. We hope that your time here, whether you're driving down the road or whether you're sitting at home with a journal and listening in, we hope that it's effective. Maybe it'll be inspirational, encouraging, maybe it'll be thought-provoking. Regardless of what session you're listening to, we truly pray that this is a benefit to you and to your family. God bless and enjoy the podcast. So we've been in 21 days of prayer and fasting. Whoever thought up the name fast for fasting <laughs> needs his head examined. There's nothing fast about it. I mean, really. Probably the same guy that called that country covered by snow Greenland is like, it's not right. So anyway, we are, tonight we're, we're working on reading the Bible. I love to read the Bible. I think probably every one of us would raise our hands if I were to say, do you love to read the Bible? Do you love to read the Bible? Do you read the Bible? But you know, it's interesting how there always seems to be a struggle. Maybe I shouldn't say always. But there's a struggle reading the Bible. There's a struggle understanding the Bible. There's a struggle getting into the Word And that's because it's God speaking, and the devil hates that. And I have found that the devil will do anything that he can to keep my nose out of the word of God. He'll give me busy days. He'll give me distractions. He'll give me whatever. And it's sometimes hard to do. So tonight, we're going to talk about reading the Bible, why we should read the Bible, how to read the Bible, how to get more out of the Bible, how to interpret the Bible, And we're going to try to do this in just a few minutes here. I see it's 714. I'll try to wrap it up around 8 o'clock or so. Um, Now, I know that I'm speaking to the choir tonight, so to speak. But I also understand that within this group, there are some people that haven't yet begun to really read the Bible on a regular basis. It's inevitable. It's human nature. And maybe you haven't gotten to the place where you understand the need for that. Maybe you haven't gotten to the place where you felt convicted about that or been taught about that. And so I hope that tonight you'll open your heart, that every one of us will open our hearts so that we can read the Bible as we should, so that we can respond to the word as we should and understand it like the Lord would have us to. So I would. So we're talking about practical disciplines for daily Bible reading. You know, let me say, uh, Brother John, to you and your crew that put the screens up here so that we can see exactly what's going on back there, that is wonderful because you used to be able to read the verses up there, but I mean, it didn't give you everything, but thank you for your work like until about three or four in the morning the other day. How many guys were there? How many people were there? There were six people. Can we give John and his crowd, his compatriots a hand? Thank you very much. A lot of work putting them up there. So we're going to read from uh, Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4. And we're reading why our, you know, why, why should we have daily Bible reading? But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. We've heard this so many times, we can quote it, we understand it, but yet, Why was the word bread chosen? I think it's because it's a daily thing. And so the Lord, I think, is trying to say not only is the word of God important, but it's like taking food. It's something that we take regularly. The challenge is to do just that. Now, I was looking, you know, the last period of time I've been looking for verses about reading the Bible, and, and there are so many verses about the power of the word and the purpose of the word and the blessing of the word. And, and, all, and it was like, Lord, how do I synthesize all this down to a few verses? But if you'll, if you'll stay plugged in and if you'll receive what I think the Lord would have us to hear tonight, I intend to be touched by the Spirit of God. I intend for the Spirit of God to touch you as well as me Because each of us, I think, can grow closer to the Lord. How many would say, yeah, I could get closer to the Lord? I think every one of us, we're honest, would say, you know, I can get closer. How many has ever read a passage and it's like, you know, I don't quite get that. 
If you're like, I'm putting both hands up. We're going to take a look here at 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Again, we're talking about the importance of the word of God, the power of the word of God. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So we don't read the Bible just to find salvation. We don't read the Bible just to be encouraged. It provides those things, yes, but so many things more. Sometimes, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but we can read the Bible for so many different things. And the Lord is in the word. And, and it's, I love it when you're reading the Bible and it just jumps out at you. I will never forget, I, I was in, I had, I had been to summer camp after high school. Um, I'd gotten the Holy Ghost when I was 16, had an incredible experience, but then really kind of got, you know, I went to church, but got kind of cold. But then when I was at camp, adult camp, when I was 18 after high school, I was sitting towards the back of the church and I was just really minding my own business. And I remember brother and sister Trout, they were singing a song up in front. <laughs> and the power of God hit me and I just started speaking in tongues just powerfully and fluently and with vigor and passion. I just started speaking in tongues and something was lit in my heart. Something became a blaze in my heart with a new love for God. I remember at that point, I would ride uh, the bus to work downtown St. Paul. And I remember I, I would take my Bible and I would read it and I would just love to absorb the word of God. I can, I can picture in my mind even one, one little frozen moment, if you will, on board a bus and the word was just so real and so precious. I wouldn't trade that for anything. But reading the Bible and loving the Bible can't be just one point back then. It can't be just, I was sold then and now I really don't need it anymore. It's got to be that living word. And it is that living word. But yet we have to take the top off, so to speak, to let it live richly inside of us. So God has so many things for us, not just salvation in the word, but so many things. Second Timothy, I read, study to show thyself approved. God, God intends for us to understand the Bible. He, he, he wants us to understand the Bible. So many people say, and oh, I don't read the Bible. I don't get it. I don't get the King James. I don't, I don't get all the these and thous. And we've talked about read tra different translations. We've covered that. We've, we've talked about that. You know that. Translations are so easily available now. You have to be careful to get a good one, of course. But yet, that can't be an excuse. Because it doesn't have to be an excuse. And don't let the devil allow you to turn the cover closed because of something that you don't understand. Because we have the right to pray to God. God, open my eyes and my understanding to understand what this is being, what is being said. Open my eyes to be able to receive what your word says. Because you see, this whole word is for every one of us. There was a time when this was chained to the desk in the front of the church. There was a time when it wasn't printed. There was a time when it was not in a common language, but it's in the common language and we can have our own. It's something that God intended for every one of us to be able to own and to read and to absorb and to memorize. God has for us indeed the purpose of the word, which is to understand it. 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show thyself approved unto God. Now that word study there, if you look at that same word in other places in the Bible, it usually doesn't even use the word study. It will say something like, be eager to do something. So I've worked in school for a long time, and I know sometimes kids love to study, and sometimes, sometimes kids hate to study, okay? And you can relate to one of those. And some people, when they hear the word study to show yourself approved, it's like, oh, no, please, God, I don't want to have to study. 
But it doesn't mean just study. It means aggressively pursue it. It means love to get it. It does mean to roll up your sleeves and sit down and remove distractions so you can receive what you're supposed to. It does mean that, but it also means do that with eagerness. Let's go to slide four. Rightly dividing can be challenging, but it's very rewarding. There are times when I've read the Bible, I've read a passage, and I'll get done with a passage. And if, for example, we've just recently gone through um, Christmas season, and in Christmas season, we, we read Luke chapter 2. And, and you know, we can read Luke chapter 2, and the words just kind of flow, and we are so familiar with those words. And, and we've heard it so many times, and sometimes we can hear it, and really, it, we can get done with it, and it's like, what did I just read? Or sometimes we come to a passage that is so hard to understand. It's like, what in the world is that meaning? So it can be that our mind doesn't concentrate on it because the words are so familiar, or sometimes the words are so tough that we don't get it. Sometimes dividing the word of God, rightly dividing the word of God is tough. This is a fun picture up here. My dad had this bright idea to divide the garage and fill in the middle so we would have a bigger garage. And that's a picture of me. I, my brother sent this to me, honestly. He sent, I was studying about rightly dividing the word of truth, and the day later he sent this, and I thought, I guess I'm supposed to use this picture. I'm not sure we rightly divided that garage. <laughs> I mean, we shored up the two sides, poured concrete outside the garage, you know, and did all of that right and shoved the one side over. As a matter of fact, I got home from work one day and my dad wasn't there and I was so excited about getting on with this project that I just moved the garage over to where it is myself. And it was just, just using a crowbar and, and, and moving it over there. And my dad got home and obviously he had to take a picture. And, he, and what we did is we, we filled the middle in with wood and when it was all done, new siding, new roof, new everything, new garage door looked like a brand new garage. But the truth of the matter is, we could have built a new one simpler, quicker, and maybe even cheaper. I'm not sure we divided it right. So sometimes it's tough to divide the word of God right. Sometimes we really have to take an intentional look at it. But sometimes you've got to talk to an architect and say, should I be doing this? Sometimes we have to talk to an expert and say, am I getting this verse right? Don't assume that just because it seems to make sense to you that you got the right decision there. Talk to people. But beyond people, there's resources, and we're going to talk about them after a little bit here. God will help us to get the understanding. He'll help us to understand the word. In Job, it says, but there is a spirit in man, and the inspiration of the Almighty giveth them understanding. The inspiration of the Almighty. That inspiration means that the breath of the Almighty the pneuma of the Almighty. If you look and start comparing, it's like type of the Holy Ghost. What does the Bible say? The Holy Ghost will lead us into truth. And so here we have like an Old Testament foreshadowing of when you have the Spirit of Christ inside you, it will help you to understand the Word of God. And so that's why when we sit down and pray, when we will say, Lord, work in my mind right now, and help me to understand these words. God, I'm calling on you to help me to receive and to benefit from what's happening here. We have the right to do that. In John chapter 16, verse 13, it says, How be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. He shall not, uh, shall not speak for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, 
that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. The Lord wants to reveal to us what is in his word. He never intended for it to be some dark, shadowy, unknowable work of prose. That's not what his plan was. There's a saying that says you can read the Bible, and you should, but until you study it, it doesn't come alive for you and teach you a lasting lesson. You can read the Bible, and you should, but until you study it, it doesn't come alive for you and teach you a lasting lesson. Now, we have a little picture here. I think we had, I think we had a slide of that, but we can jump ahead to the little slide. I have it labeled as slide six. It says a Bible falling apart. Maybe you can show that. A Bible falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. Now, this last Sunday night, my wife left her Bible somewhere over here. And if anybody could win the award of a falling apart Bible, it would be my wife. Not because she doesn't care for it. She's just worn it out. <laughs> she's carried it to CCS. She's carried it to IBC. She's carried it to Calvary Tabernacle. She's carried it all over the place. And, um, you know, the Bible says you shouldn't add to or take away from the Bible. You can take Genesis and Exodus away from that Bible anytime you want to. I warn her, don't do that, honey. That's, that's not biblical. Keep it. <laughs> her Bible is falling apart, but she's not falling apart. But she left her Bible here the other day. And Monday morning, not a week later, where's my Bible? And we went into full-blown panic in the Barkas household looking for that Bible. Where is it? Where is it? Was it? She had asked me when we got home last night, or got home that night, that, did I bring my Bible home? And so Monday morning, we drove into church because, well, you read the Bible daily. Now, that seems a little silly. And it might be because we have other Bibles, many other Bibles to read from at home. So there's lots of choices there, different translations and all sorts of different things. But, um, but that Bible has notes that she's written into it for decades and so it was pretty important. And she was teaching at IBC the next day, too. So she wanted to study from that as well. So we went into panic for that. But that said, Brother John Sipes, where are you? We're working on trying to forgive you. I don't know how you got from there over to there and stole her, and stole her Bible. I'm praying for your soul. <laughs> the funny thing, actually, is when I, I came in on Monday and I went into the usher's room where the lost and found is, incidentally, if you're missing a Bible, there's a stack of Bibles about this far, this high, that need uh, their rightful owners to come and claim them. The other day, I saw them in there, and I, 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 I was trying to get a hold of people to get the Bibles back. But, it, but I went in there Monday morning, and I saw a Bible that looked like Candy's. I even brought it out to the car and said, Candy, here's your Bible. And she looked at it, and she did a double take. It's like, no, that's not my Bible. And it was the same brand. It was the same size. It was the same everything, except it had a, a, another name down there that was worn out like hers was worn out from decades of use. And we, so I, I thought, maybe that was John. That, I'm glad you brought it back. I'm really glad. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I love to talk about the Bible with Candy. Um, do you ever sit down and have conversations about scriptures? Bible school students, let me talk to you for a second. I went to Bible school. Been there, done that. Work full-time, go to school full-time. It's grueling. Doing homework late, if sometimes not even be able to get homework done because I had to work. Anybody relate to the don't raise your hands? Teachers are there. Let me speak to you from my heart. Don't let the Bible simply become a textbook. Don't let the Bible simply become another book on the shelf. Yes, it's a textbook in many respects, but it is what's life about. 
Guard yourself against that. Because that happens. It can happen. It can happen in the grind of all that. So how do you avoid that? When you're reading something, you let something just that jumps off the page and gets a hold of you. Talk to somebody about that. That's how you keep the Bible alive. When you keep it in your conversation. That's how you keep the Bible alive. Because it shows yourself, but also other people, what you really value. When you sit down at a restaurant and you have a verse that's been in your mind, maybe it's a question, maybe it's a, a promise, whatever, bring it up in conversation. No, it's not like we don't talk about anything else. I don't want to give you that impression. But when you let the word dwell richly in you, there's something that happens way more than simply when you read the Bible on a regular level. God wants it to be more than simply just words that we read. He has for us a richness that can come from that. Now, I, I, I'm, I'm putting myself, let's scoot over just a little bit here. I'm putting myself in your shoes for a second here. I'm going to be really candid here. For the Barkers, I read the Bible. Who are you talking to tonight? There are times I've read the Bible and I've gone through the chapter and I get done and I think, what do I remember about what I just read? Now, I'm a pretty decent reader and I've got a fair comprehension, but sometimes my mind's not there. Sometimes I'm reading on a device and notifications keep popping up. Can anybody relate to that one? Sometimes things happen that are distracting. Sometimes things are in my mind. Sometimes there's worries or concerns. And my eyes are, are reading and they're following the lines. But yet it's not registering. Now I was talking to a man that, that um, he took a speed reading class. And he was pretty good. And he thought, you know what, I'm good, but I want to get better. And he took a speed reading class again. And he got up to about 200 words a minute. Now, to be able to read 200 words a minute is really remarkable. But reading 200 words a minute isn't the most important thing. It's how you comprehend. And this man got his comprehension up to 95% at 200 words a minute. Oh, Lord, please. But why did that happen for that man? Because he intentionally said, I want to get better. I need more. And when we intentionally say, when we're honest enough to say at the end of the chapter, wait a second, time out, I'm doing this again. And there's times we need to do that because it's the word of God. We're human. We get distracted. God help us to do what it takes to really receive all that we need. I was talking about loving to talk with the Word of God with candy. Um, years ago, um, maybe I should talk to the Bible school people here for a second again. Um, a long time ago, I wrote a list down of what I was looking for in a wife. I was going to say, how many of you have done that? But don't answer that question. <laughs> but that's not a bad idea. Because it says, I have a goal, I have a criteria, I have guidelines, and I'm going to use my head before I use my heart. I'm going to use my head before I use my heart. And one of the things that I had on my list, I wanted a woman that loved the word of God. Somebody might say, <laughs> that's not the kind of list I made. <laughs> well, <laughs> sorry for your luck. I chose the important, no, I shouldn't say it that way, but it's true. And my, <laughs> and my wife, she was a quizzer and a good one at that. And I know I'm embarrassing you. I'm sorry, Candy. Well, not really. Sorry, not sorry. But she was a quizzer, loved the word of God. I wanted 
a person that had common traits with me. So who do you hang out with? Are you hanging out with people that love the word of God? Are you having conversations with people that love the word of God? Because you'll gravitate towards the people that you hang out with. And if you want more out of the word of God, hang out with people that love the word of God. They say that if you're playing tennis, if you want to get better, play somebody that's better than you. And if you want to become more like Christ, hang out with Christians that maybe are a little stronger in Christ than you are. Maybe they'll pull you up. Maybe they'll challenge you just a little bit. That's what tonight's all about. I know we read the Bible. We have a Bible. We have Bible apps and all these sorts of things. But yet we can all step up. We can all grow closer. We can all divide the word of God better. We can divide. We can dive into the areas of the Bible that sometimes we shy away from. So how do I have a consistent, meaningful Bible reading life? Just as fasting requires self-discipline, so does Bible reading. We're supposed to prioritize a time and a place to read. And if you do that, you're much more likely to have a consistent Bible reading success. Have a schedule. Have a plan. A reading plan. Something that keeps you accountable. Now, I know that some people, I, I, I should say this. I'll start with this. Sister Nix, God bless that woman. I remember visiting her in the hospital, visiting her in the nursing home. And her Bible would always be right there on the little stand of some sort. And she had read it so much that it, 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 the pages had expanded in thickness. It was just, she, she would read that Bible through like four and five times a year. She was an avid reader of the Bible. Some of you in here, you read the Bible through every year regularly. Some of you read the Bible through more than once a year. And I commend you for that. And that doesn't happen by accident. That doesn't happen uh, out of guilt. That happens by intentionality. Some of you don't read the Bible like from Genesis to Revelation. And that's okay. You know, don't be guilted into, well, if, you know, if, I don't, if I'm not on that Bible reading plan, the bread plan, I'm, I, you know, no, because that's not exactly how the Bible has to be read. What's important is that we read the Bible. What's important is that we absorb the Bible. But that said, now listen to what I'm about to say here. And I don't know if, there's a, if there is a, a, a slide for this one or not. Um, I, I had this in my notes. I'm not sure if that got converted or not. But there are, there's divisions in the Bible. So I'll just take a little bit of a time here. I remember learning in, in Sunday school, you know, you've got five divisions in the Old Testament and five divisions in the New Testament. And we've got law, history. There it is. We've got law, history, poetry, major prophets, minor prophets in the Old Testament. Then we've got the Gospels and, and history, which is the book of Acts. And then Paul's epistles and general epistles and then prophecies. We've got 10 divisions of the Bible. And if you've never studied that, one thing you want to remember about the divisions of the Bible is a lot of times people that don't understand speaking in tongues, that don't understand baptism in Jesus' name, they will turn to the Gospels for salvation. And the Gospels is not where salvation proper is found. That's where the leading up to salvation is found. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels. If you want to find we as Pentecostals have come to understand that salvation is found in the book of history, which in the New Testament is the book of Acts. That's where the Holy Ghost was poured out. That's where you have several different instances of people being baptized in Jesus' name. Now, I'm not talking about baptism in Jesus' name and, and infilling of the Holy Ghost here. What I'm trying to say is people, if they go to one section of the Bible and stay there, they're not getting a broad-based view of the Bible. Sometimes people will read Proverbs, one proverb every day, and they'll do that each month. But if that's all that we read, it's not a balanced view of the Bible. Some people love to read the poetry of Psalms and Proverbs and so on. Song of Psalms, they love to read that. It's poetic, it's beautiful language. And it does feed the soul and it will address human emotion and fears and, and we can relate to David and so many things. But yet, if we hang out in poetry too much, we're not getting what we should be getting in the other divisions of the Bible. 
Some people, they love to dive into Hebrews and Revelation and the books that Job, the, the, you know, the head scratcher books, you know, you know who you are. And, and, and that's, a, that's a great thing. But yet, if we don't have balance with the other divisions, it's imbalanced. So we need to be careful not just to go to our favorite books. We need to be careful not just to go to the ones that we understand the easiest. Some of the easier books to read would be probably Proverbs and probably Mark and probably James. They're easy to understand, easy to relate to. Nothing wrong with reading them. But if you hang out on them too much or, or, or exclusively, you're not getting a balanced view of what's going on in the Bible. The Bible talks about reading the whole thing. So I'm not sure how we need to get to the place of reading the whole thing, but that's the challenge. We're going to get into that a little bit more. Now, I'm going to say something that's just a little bit tough here, but receive it. We talk sometimes about religions that will go to different parts of the Bible and will grab certain things out for salvation, and we call that like salad bar religion. How many has ever heard that term? We've heard that term. We've got to be careful that we're not guilty ourselves of being salad bar Bible readers. Where we go through and we read out of the ones that we enjoy or we understand or we're familiar with. And we leave the ones that are a little bit tough or kind of hard to interpret. I told you this is going to be a little bit hard right here. Because there is something in every book. All scripture is inspired. All scripture is given to us for a purpose of salvation and so on. So God help us to read the word well. John 5, 39, the Bible says, Search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they that, which testify of me. I read the scripture and, and I, I, I talked it over with Candy and she was she was able to pull it up in her Bible quizzing memory from, we'll just say decades ago. And her reference, she was able to finish it. And she, and she gave me a reference and it was a few verses off, but kudos to you, quizzing lady. I'll, I'll tell you what, she's my sweetheart. And so, but I said, okay, what do you think this verse is trying to say here? Search the scriptures for in them ye think. Ye have eternal life. I know I've got eternal life. What are you talking about? And the Bible talks about Well, the setting here is really critical because Jesus is talking to the, to the Jewish leaders. And he is saying to them, search the Torah. Because in the Torah, you think you have life. But I am the life that the Torah is talking about. So when you put a verse into context with what's happening there, all of a sudden, the lights go off. The meaningfulness happens. And you understand what's happening. Something that could be confusing becomes something that is inspirational. We need to search the scriptures, though. The Lord said, search the scriptures. I'm in those scriptures. Now, we're going to go through some slides quickly here covering the blue letter Bible. How many is familiar with the blue letter Bible? Hold them up there. I want to get an idea here. Okay. The blue letter Bible is an app. Um, it's also available online. Uh, you can go to blueletterbible.org, I think it is, or you can download an app on, on your phone. And um, I, know the, I know the pastor said we're supposed to uh, give up apps and things that you put your time into. So I was looking at the apps that I use and I thought, okay, I can't read the Bible and I can't go on church center. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> no, I'm reading the Bible. So what I'm going to do, I know many of you are familiar with this, um, some of you are not. So for those of you that use it all the time, just hang in here for a little bit because it could be something that will really bless people that are not familiar with it. When we read the Bible, there's hard to understand scriptures. So times, sometimes we look at commentaries. Sometimes we look at cultural backdrops. Sometimes we look at 
um, word studies. Sometimes we'll look at the Greek words as a variety of different ways to look at that. And you might think, I don't have enough money, college students, I don't have enough money to go out and buy all those books. I don't have enough uh, place to store all those books. I, I'm, I'm not going to do that. You don't have, the good news is you don't have to because they're all available for free on this app. It's an incredible app. Now, I'm, I'm not, you know, I use this app. There's many others. The only reason I'm talking about it is because I'm familiar with it. But there's other apps that are probably better than this um, and maybe free just like this. But let me just talk about the concept about good things be available on apps. So this is a blue letter Bible. So on that first one, you can see where it says verse or words. I guess you can see that fairly well. You can just type in one word. Boom, it'll take you right there. It'll show you all the verses that have that word in it. It's super handy. Or you can do a phrase or you can use some certain Boolean search uh, rules and find different verses. It's a huge tool. Let's go to the next one. When you're reading the Bible, this is what I typically do. When I read the Bible, very often I'll read it on Blue Letter Bible. And I do that because on the left side of that is the King James. And on the right-hand side is a different translation. And you can choose which translations you want to have side by side. And so as I'm reading through, if I come across something, he's like, what is that? I just pop over to the other column, and there I have another view of what's happening. So it's a very handy way to get another opinion, another thought, another explanation about that word or that, that, that scripture, obviously. So you can do that with not even just two. I think you might be able to do more. But regardless, you have a choice of many different um, translations to do that with. Let's go to the next slide. If you want to, you can go to one Bible verse. And now this box here that I cut out, this is a screenshot from Blue Letter Bible. But if you saw the whole thing, it would be a long page with many different translations. So this one here happens to be Psalm 56. Probably, I don't know what verse it is, or, or, but that doesn't matter. It's going to give you a single verse and it's going to give you what that translation is. And all those translations, you can just scroll down through it very quickly. Brother Barkas, why are you doing this? So we can rightly divide the word of truth. To give us tools to understand better. To give us tools to move out of, I don't get it, to, oh, that makes sense. And that can happen through tools like this. Sometimes we can talk to friends and you might be able to, to sit down with a cup of coffee with a brother Kilman and say, what does this mean? But brother Kilman doesn't have enough time for every one of us. Our pastor doesn't have enough time for every one of us. So this is a tool to help us as you understand I'm trying to say. Let's go to the next slide. You can, have, you can look um, up commentaries on a verse. I just happened to pull up a couple Guzik is, a, is a, a great commentator. Matthew Henry, a very old, very good translation, uh, trans, um, commentator. But again, that is just a little box that I cut out. That list would be very long of all the different commentaries that are available on Blue Letter Bible, just as quick as a push of a screen. So if you're trying to understand a difficult verse, commentary, look up the verse, compare it to other translations. You can do it almost instantaneously and it, it will help you to be more effective as you study. Let's go to the next one. So commentaries, they're linked. Okay, so I gave you a list of a number. Well, it was only two different commentaries. But here's one particular commentary. And so here he's, he's, he's giving illustration about a custom of the day. Um, it's talking in this particular... I won't even take time to explain it. So the commentaries will help you to understand custom things. It was talking about home, homes and person knocking on the door, the thief knocking on the door, and the person getting up and waking up his family. And people might think, if somebody knocked on my door, I don't have to wake up every kid in the household. What's going on? And Guzik says, if you look at the households back then, most people lived in a single room home. They had their beds, if you will, over on a little raised area on the side of the house. And if somebody knocked on the door and you were over there with all those little pallets and the kids are right next to you and whatever, Everybody's getting up because it's a one-room house. So if you look at the culture, and Guzik helps to explain that, all of a sudden it's a different view. Let's go to the next one here. There's word studies available. This happened to be 
Easton's Bible Dictionary, and I had looked up the word candle just as an example, and it, and it goes through verses where it's found, and, and you understand. I don't have to explain all that. Again, this is click, 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 ah. Click, click, wow. So, now I need to go back to, here we go. Let's go to the next one. If you're uh, interested in looking at what some of the words mean uh, in Greek, and going there, there's the Greek available. There's a Greek interlinear there. It's going to give you the, the numbers. It's going to compare it. It's going to show you where it's used in different places. I'm not wanting to spend a bunch of time there, but this next, next slide is interesting. On Blue Letter Bible, if you're looking for a plan, I said it's good to have a plan for accountability. It'll keep you on track. There's many different ways to read the Bible. You can read a Genesis to Revelation, obviously. Some people will read something from the Old Testament, something from the New Testament, and read it through. Sometimes there's something old, something Psalms, something new. Uh, it sounds like a wedding saying there. Something borrowed, something blue. Sorry about that. Um, sometimes people will read it in, uh, what do they call it, in, in uh, historical order. Uh, I think that's on a chronological plan. I've read the Bible through like that. So it takes, care, takes it through historically. It's just different ways to read the Bible. So it mixes things up. And there's many other plans besides just those that are there. When you click that, it'll say, okay, January, this, what is it, 17, 18, 19, whatever it is today. It's going to say, this is where we, where we are today. So if you get behind and say, like, okay, I got to catch up. It's that accountability factor. Again, this is built into this. Nothing new, but yet if you don't, if you're unaware of this, it can really change how you're studying. Let's go to slide 17. If you're, if you're thinking, maybe you're sitting down there thinking, boy, this Blue Letter Bible sounds pretty interesting. Go to blueletterbible.com.org, whatever it is, or go to the download the app, and there's a little five-minute video there and explains all the whys and the wherefores of how to use this. It is a powerful, powerful tool. If you're doing notes, all you have to do is tap it, copy the verse, drop the verse, into where you're doing your work. Probably college students are already doing that. Tremendously handy, powerful way to do that. Let's go to slide 18. And we're wrapping it up here. I'm going to read from Nehemiah chapter 8. If you have your Bible, you might want to turn there with me. We're going to read several verses. And here's an illustration of Bible reading. It's a very interesting story about what actually happened. Um, after people had come back from captivity in Babylon, they had been there for 70 years. They had, um, uh, they had basically their religion taken away from them, their homeland taken away. Much of this had happened. In some cases, their language taken away. So we're going to read several verses out of Nehemiah chapter 8. Um, and all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate. This is about 42,000 people. And they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. So now, let me, so I gave you a little bit of the setting here. So here we have people, they came back from captivity. They built the wall hurriedly. They got that completed. They were happy. They hadn't built their houses yet. And after they built their wall, they said to the man of God, Ezra, they said, get the scroll and read us the scroll. So here is this big open area of 42,000 people. And there's a raised platform. We don't know how high it was raised, but it was raised so that a person could be up there and they could read and somehow be heard. I have no idea how you do that. No idea. But there were 13 people with Ezra, different leaders that were up there with him. So the first point that I want to make is that the people asked the leader to read the word of God. Now, what had happened here? Why would the people ask for the word of God to be read? Why wouldn't the preacher be saying, time for us to read the Bible? It's kind of like what our pastor has done these, these three weeks here. It says, break out the Bible. Let's, let's, do, let's, let's do this fasting thing. But here it was coming from the people. And what happened was some of these people that were older than 70 years, or maybe they had been taught, some of them had retained their religion. I don't know how that went. But they were gone for 70 years. They came back 
Only the oldest of the old people probably remembered what it was like, what the temple was like, what the walls were like. But some of them remembered that the law in its entirety was to be completely read publicly to the children of Israel and for them to be assembled and to listen during the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of, the, or the booth, time of the booths, when people would have a little hut, so to speak, on top of their house. So the people are calling for the word to be read. They're gathering together. Ezra starts to read the scroll, and the people all stood. That's where we get the custom of standing when the Bible is read. It comes from this story right here. But we're going to read just a little bit more. I see the time here. I will wrap it up. Verse 2, uh, it talks about the men and the women and all that could hear with understanding. Not every one of them understood what was being said. They either didn't understand the language or they simply couldn't understand the concepts. Let's jump down to verse 3 towards the end of it and says, before the men and the women and those that could understand and the ears of the people were attentive. They were listening, but they weren't understanding. Jump over now, if you will. So uh, verse 5, and Ezra opened the book in the sight of the people, and for he was above all the people. And when he opened it, the people stood up. We talked about that. We're going to jump down to the end of chapter, or verse 7 here. And these various men, there were 13 men up there with him, caused the people to understand the law. I don't know how they did it, but it sounds like they would stop and they would break into groups and they would explain it because it was not enough to read the law. The people respected the law. Now get this point, please. People respected the law and they stood at the reading. But it takes more than respecting the word of God. It takes an understanding of the word of God. It takes a love of the word of God. There probably were some kids that were nudged. Hey, kid, get up. It's time to stand. And they did so out of obedience. But they were looking for an understanding and an appreciation. And I don't have time to get into all this. But yet the bottom line is that they wanted to hear the word of God. So my question is, have I read? This is the question that I ask myself. Am I reading the Bible cover to cover at least once every seven years. It was in the law. I won't take time to read it. There were several times in the Bible when they did that. But there was a challenge. And if the law was a schoolmaster to lead us to Christ, maybe that is an important thing for us to do. To make sure we get through the whole Bible. Could you come up here? I knew a young evangelist and his parents had one of those little bread, um, um, what, it had little pieces of paper in it that each had a scripture on it. And it was in a little plastic container. How many knows what I'm talking about? The hands went up everywhere. Don't be embarrassed about reading from those. Okay? And I say that because we might think, oh, that's only one verse. Oh, well, we don't have enough time to sit down to study a chapter. But I know one evangelist who was at a, a, a difficult time and he was under oppression. And he was at the place where he could not pray and he could not feel the power of God. Yet he was, he was giving his life to do the work of God. And he pulled one little verse out of there. And I saw that taped to his, to his um, schedule outside his book of all of his appointments and his calendar. And he had it taped, and it had been many years ago, and the tape was yellowed. But that verse was the thing that he said got him back to the place where he was able to call on the name of God. Got him back to the place where he could feel the power of God because of one verse that he pulled out of that bread box. I don't care if you read the whole Bible through or if you read one verse, so long as you understand it and you apply it. Now, we need to read more than one verse. We understand that. But whatever the case is, 
doesn't matter how well you read the Bible, how well you understand the Bible, how well you divide the Bible, how well you get that. Read the Bible. Read the Bible. Everybody say that with me. Read the Bible. God help us to read the Bible. I know many of us are doing that. I know that. I know I'm preaching to the choir. But maybe there's somebody in here that feels, yeah, I need to be doing more. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a three-word sermon right here. And this three-word sermon here, I forget the reference to this scripture. Turn this way. But it's a really important verse. This guy's courageous right here. That's why I chose him. And so this really important verse that I have for you, straight from the scriptures that encourages you. <laughs> Just do it. Read the word of God. <laughs> Come on, give it up for him. I appreciate his help. Let's all stand together. I hope I've challenged you a little bit like I've been challenged. I hope I've inspired you. Maybe you've given some tools to help a little bit. Let's, re let's be readers of the word. What do you say? Let's be doers of the word. Let's be hearers, but not hearers only. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that we can have our own Bible, Lord. I thank you that when we read these pages, God, that you jump off them, Lord. Help us never, I pray, to grow weary as we read your word. Help us, Lord Jesus, never to give up on reading your word. Help us, Lord Jesus, to claim it, to live in its promises. Help us, Lord Jesus, for it to become what motivates us, Lord. Use us, I pray, God. Inspire us through your word that lives within us, we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.